Hello and welcome to the Season 3 premiere of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today as always are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today I'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 1, which is titled Dr. Carter, I presume. The episode aired on September 26, 1996. Lauren, what was going on that summer 24 years ago? The shorter answer would be what wasn't going on that summer 24 years ago. So we have quite a lot of catching up to do with this with this season break. Bear with me, fam. First off, Colorado Avalanche complete a four-game series sweep of the Florida Panthers to win the NHL Finals and the Stanley Cup. The Chicago Bulls defeat the Seattle Supersonics four games to two to win their fourth NBA championship since 1991 and their first since Michael Jordan returned from retirement. Woo! Nice. I didn't realize he was already in and out of retirement by 96. Yep. Wow. This one's for all us nerds out there. On June 23rd, the Nintendo 64 released in Japan. The launch lineup included just three games, Super Mario 64, Pilot Wing 64, and I don't know how to say that word. I'm not, we're not even going to try to pronounce it, but it's a Japanese. It was a Japanese-only game. Yeah, I'm not even going to try. The console would hit North American shores on September 26th with only Super Mario and Pilot Wings being available. So does that mean it launched today, like as of this episode airing? Yeah. Most likely, yeah. June 1st saw the birth of current Spider-Man actor Tom Holland. His co-star Zendaya would be born exactly three months later on September 1st. Free email service Hotmail launched on July 4th. The company would be acquired by Microsoft for $400... Four hundred dollars? That's a hell of a deal. Four hundred dollar million. Um the company would be acquired by Microsoft for four hundred million dollars in nineteen ninety seven and would eventually be shut down in two thousand eleven, replaced by Microsoft Outlook. That was my first email address was on Hotmail. Mine was on Yahoo. I also had a Yahoo account. On July fifth, Dolly the Sheep, the first mammal ever to be cloned, was born in Scotland. George R.R. R. Martin makes the biggest mistake of his life on August 1st as A Song of Ice and Fire, the first novel in the popular Game of Thrones series, is published. I resent that uh, editorializing, Lizzie. <laughs> You're welcome. I enjoy those series, and I wish to, that one day they will be finished. I doubt it's going to happen, but I'm still holding out hope. It's just like Half-Life 3. STT co-hosts Lizzie and Lauren celebrate their 8th and 4th birthdays, respectively. Happy 4th birthday to me, Summer movie releases include Independence Day, Mission Impossible, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Nutty Professor, Kazam, The Rock, and The Cable Guy. The First Wives Club holds the number one spot at the box office this week, though. And the quintessential 90s wedding song Macarena by Los Del Rio holds the number one spot on the music charts. There are so many videos of me as a child dancing the Macarena I at danced four that years song old. way too many times. We used to do it all the time, like as like part of like our exercise routine and like summer camps in the nineties. Yeah. Oh my god, it was terrible. Get moving. Do you still know all the moves? Hey, Macarena. Yep, we both just did it. All in right, cheers. all right. Awesome. Well, good. We still know. Starting off the season on on the perfect note. I apologize, fans. So this uh, first. For this premiere episode, we've got 34.9 million viewers tuning in. This episode is directed by Chris Chulak and written by John Wells. Ah, welcome to season three, folks. 
We've a, made it. What a long, strange trip it's been. Indeed. And we're only th- one fifth of the way, th- not even one fifth of the way through. I'm yeah. shutting up. Go yeah, on. Yeah, let's kick. Let's kick off season three uh, with the opening title card. It says July fourth, five forty-five a.m. And Carter is getting ready at his locker, and he writes Doctor Carter on Sharpie. You know, he's so proud. He's so very, very proud. And he walks out of the lounge, and we just do a really long one shot of him walking through the ER, seeing various interesting patients. One guy has like an ice pick sticking out of him, or like, and sees a trauma come in, and like we think he's gonna hop onto it, but then it just sort of passes him by. He just looks all excited about it. So it's just, it's a beautiful, he's just acclimating, he's reacclimating to his surroundings. His new surroundings, because we do have an ER layout change. Did either one of you notice this? Not no. a bit. So he comes out of the lounge, and the lounge on the interior looks pretty much the same, but when he actually walks out of the lounge, he comes out of the door that as of up until now has been radiology. Oh, um, yeah. And the, so if you're looking at the ambulance bay doors from Jerry's position at the desk, if you're looking at the ambulance bay doors from there, the left-hand door has, up till now, the left-hand door has always been radiology, and the right-hand door has always been the lounge. Um, as of now, the left-hand door is the lounge, and the right-hand uh, door is gone and has been opened up into the waiting area. So the waiting area has now occupied the physical space that used to be the lounge. Huh. No one makes mention of this. No one makes note of this. It's just, this is the new... And this happens a few times throughout the course of the series, and sometimes it, it is given storyline significance, and other times it's not. Sometimes things just move around, and this is one of those times where things just move around, and they're never going to call attention to it. But it's one of those things, if, you, if you're looking for it, you'll see it quite clearly. I just always, like, it's just always, like, occurred to me that, like, that's where the lounge is, because that's where it is for so long, up mm-hmm. until, like, season nine or ten or something like that, but... Yeah. yeah I have no those, excuse. It's just one of those things that, like, because we've been so, like, dialed in to all the little goofy details that it's like, wait, he's coming out of the wrong... And it, it doesn't help either that the, like I said, the interior looks exactly the same. Like, they have not changed the interior at all. They've just literally changed it from one side of the hallway to the other. Thought it was uh, worth pointing out. Totally. It's something I didn't catch. I'll keep an eye out for it next episode. Um, then we go on to Jerry saying the title of the episode is Carter Approaches with a suave Dr. Carter, I presume. He and Malik both have some 4th of July swag on, both with some American flags rocking out on their ties and their shirts. And Jerry and Susan are talking about the 4th of July picnic that's going to take place later that afternoon. And Carol is back with hardly any acknowledgement of her quitting at all. Like, we don't talk about this at all the whole episode. Carol's just there. She quit last episode at the season finale, and she's back. Hale gets a good little shot in and on her later, but that that is all we get. Yeah, there is no other acknowledgement or really explanation as to what happened over the summer. And from there, uh, we go into our first audio of season three that we have for you. Carter is meeting with the other surgical interns, and there's there's a familiar face among them. Surgical interns? John, Dale Edson, Harvard Med, we met last year. Yeah, yeah, how you been? Great, great. Just spent the last six weeks down at Hopkins on a thoracic elective. Resident was a Nazi. <laughs> but they let me scrub in on 20 valve replacements. Wow. This is Julie Dixon, Duke. Hello. Hi. This is Young Tu Hua, UC, San Francisco. Hi. And Dennis Gant, Ole Miss. LSU, actually. 
They let us wear scrubs? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty informal around here, so... John went to school here. He can show us the ins and outs. All I want to know at 6 a.m. is where the hell is the coffee? Blue Team Surgical Interns. Good morning. My name is Dr. Melvoin, and today is the last day of my internship and the first day of yours, which means in this great game of medical education tag, you're it. House staff guidelines. This lists the conferences and clinics that all interns are required to attend. Miss one, and your evaluation will be degraded. Vascular conference, Monday, 4 to 5. Pathology, Monday, 5 to 7. Radiology, Tuesday at 5. M&Ms, Wednesday, 7 a.m. Intern reports, Monday, Thursday, Friday at 7 a.m. Vascular Journal Club, Tuesday at 7. Chairman's Conference, Friday, 7 a.m. Oh, wait, doesn't the Chairman Conference conflict with the intern report? Yep. You're on five days a week, 5 a.m. till you finish up after 7 p.m. You're on call every third weekend and every third night, which means that every three days you will be here from 5 a.m. the first day till at least 7 p.m. the next. When do we get to sleep? You don't. You are wedges. The wedge is the most primitive tool known to man. That is you. You think you know what you're doing? Believe me, you don't. Breakfast with your senior surgical resident, Dr. Benton, will begin in 15 minutes. Dr. Benton is an intern's worst nightmare. He's smarter than you, he never eats, he never sleeps, and he reads every medical journal, no matter how obscure. He is the Antichrist, Beelzebub, Lucifer, a devourer of wedges. You will go to sleep at night wishing plague and pestilence on his unborn children, and you will wake up every morning praying for his approval. You won't get it. Welcome to hell, ladies and gentlemen. Benton, can't be that bad, can he? Welcome to hell, Carter. So much to unpack here. This starts out much like uh, season two's kind of introduction to our, our newbies. Like we get this big glut of new blood coming in. And much like season two, you really only need to pay attention to one of them, sort of. There's a second one, kind of, but the, the main focus here is definitely going to be uh, Gant. So you've got three, four, if you count the, the uh, attending or uh, resident uh, guy who's leaving, uh, new characters coming in here. And Gant is the only one who sticks around for any length of time. He uh, played by Baby Omar Epps before House, before all the other things that would go on to make him much more famous. Uh, he does a 10-episode arc here on ER. Uh, he will be with us through uh, a, a good portion of season three, but of course his entire arc is contained within this season. The other one that does reappear at once is the uh, Asian doctor who's played by an actress named Melissa Chan. Um, she will make one more appearance uh, later in the season. I want to say like mid season wise. Um, it'll be a very brief appearance. Um, um, what, and then what the guy about who's, Dale? Oh uh, well, uh, yeah, Dale. But we, we had kind of touched on Dale last season when he first appeared. He's kind of like we had, like I said, at that point, he's the anti Carter, the dark Carter. Like he just kind of shows up and, here he's actually pretty benign um but later on for sure as he he's another character that like goes away for long stretches of time and then just kind of shows back up again sort of like the um the uh pathologist in the morgue or uh dr Kaysen, like just a character who's like in the hospital but only shows up once every maybe once a season if that so so the one that's showing them around, uh, Dr. Melvoin, he might look familiar to you. He's played by an actor named Wallace Langham, um, and you may recognize him from shows like CSI and Shameless, another John Wells production, uh, as well as the movie The Social Network. 
Um, but this is his only ER appearance. Um, but mm. he definitely has a very like, oh, hey, it's that guy kind of face. Like when he f- popped up, I was like, is this a guy who we're going to have with us? No, this is his one and only appearance in the show, at least in ER. And we also noticed that the drinks in the vending machine are now name brand. So we got the candy. We got name brand candy. We got name brand donuts. Well, we did for a while anyway. Now we got name brand sodas. So we're moving up. Actual Coca-Cola. Yeah. Get those sponsorship dollars. I don't think that's how that works. But um, anyway, (laughs) we go in with our bangs. So season three is literally starting with a bang. And we notice that Laura Inez and Gloria Rubin are both now on the credit sequence. They changed out some of the shots, and it's looking good. I like the stuff that they picked to the stuff that they added. Gloria had been for the last couple of episodes of season two, right? Okay, I, I couldn't. We couldn't remember, so we wanted to make sure we included her here as a note that yeah, she I, is for sure on for season three consistently. I, I want to say it's like somewhere maybe like halfway ish through season two she gets added in there, but it but it is kind of like they added her in. You know, now they've kind of had a chance to go back and really start from scratch and rework the whole intro so much smoother i'm sure i'm sure if i actually did control f on our season two notes i'd find it but sure um yep and then we see a title card of 6 55 a.m and benton is arriving to work and he does look a little flustered and uh of course right before he goes in genie approaches him outside and she tells him unfortunately she has tested positive for hiv peter says she gets results sometime later this day and genie says she has to talk to mark about it and peter looks like he's been blindsided by all of this um which little continuity thing that daniel bring up right after this but this but we're just it's just gonna be such a good season with genie like i know we mentioned this on the recap last week but uh uh i love the storyline so much it's so good (laughs) definitely the the one of the highlights of this episode for sure and yeah like you mentioned there's there is a little minor continuity gripe to be had here also before i get into that uh is this one of the first is this the first time or at least one of the first times that we really see the stairs to the l being kind of a a set piece like it's not it's not the l stairs that we would get later on it's not that like the set piece set piece but it's i think one of the first times we've seen that used as a set dressing like maybe we could do a scene on the l stairs that would be cool yeah by wabash yeah yeah it's Adams and Wabash, right? That I looks don't like, recall exactly. That's the station it looks like they're using is around the loop. Well, I know that that's all just on a set. No, I know, but I'm saying it it looks like it would have been. Oh, okay. Based based on the um the stations listed on the actual stairs. Oh, okay. It looks like it's one of the trains in the loop. Okay. If they were. Well, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Just, and, and just then saying. Just on a minor, like, continuity gripe i guess you could say i guess i suppose it's debatable or explainable but you know genie finds out that she's hiv positive presumably sometime in late may because she gets tested in the season finale which takes place in may uh but these this first episode we've established takes place on july 4th and she's just now telling benton and says to benton when she tells him that she quote just found out now of course she could have taken some time to think about it herself and like kept it private for a while and everything but like it does seem like an extended amount of time like almost two months to uh, six weeks to not tell somebody about something like that but just a minor continuity gripe another good catch daniel and she does say later in the episode that oh yeah i just found a like a day or two yes a, a day or two ago yeah so i don't know can't say it's ever taken me that long to have a hiv test but then again I, but then again i've only gotten hiv tests yeah. in the last 
seven or eight years. Yeah. So they um I think it's just an oopsie on the writing team's part, not taking them the month and a half break into account. And they're also probably just trying to get the audience caught up. Yeah. Probably. That's so. most likely what it is. They're not expecting that anybody's gonna care about <laughs> the minutiae except for except for three losers and 24 years later who are doing a show about it hey we're wonderful people thank you very much yeah but they might not think so at the time they're anybody that would sit and record about their show for an hour each week back in the 90s they would have been like who has time to do that just a bunch of weebs hey genie thinks we're nice genie does think we're nice (laughs) we're cutting that but still anyway um Frank knows we exist. Exactly. Um, but then we go over to Doug and Mark playing handball by Buckingham Fountain. This court is definitely not there anymore. Who the hell plays handball? And they're just being buddy-buddy, talking about their dating lives. And Mark just mentions that he's looking for more than just sex in a relationship. And he says, you know, I want somebody I can talk to. I want somebody that I have common interests with, blah, blah, blah. And Doug goes, oh, you want us to date? <laughs> Would that be so bad, Doug? I was going to say, no. I'm here for it. Like, yeah. yeah, let's let's do it. Yeah. So just just a little quick shot on their friendship. They're still doing well, fooling around. They needed a break from basketball. Decided they go try handball out. So we go from there to the breakfast with Benton. Uh, he's kind of going around the table, grilling all of the new new blood. And uh, Dale actually challenges him on something, and as a reward, gets to scrub in on Benton's next surgery. And all during this. Uh, Carter is sitting kind of off to Benton's side so Benton just basically ignores him and uh, at the end Carter tries to be like hey you know I'm still here and he's like oh yeah uh, you can cover the ER like just and and he gets stuck with the first night shift so uh, not gonna be like it's not gonna be much like with the, the transition from season one to two where we were like okay we're gonna we're gonna transition out of baby Carter and everything's gonna be fine and he's gonna be this wonderful you know benevolent student from here on out and that wasn't the case much like at the end of season two benton and carter's bromance is not now smooth sailing forever like there's still going to be some power dynamics at play there where benton is definitely still in charge of carter's shit i also always see it as like a a he knows the er Mm -hmm. which they mentioned a little bit later but like Mm -hmm. b he's not going to play favorites with carter no, but like, Carter, I, think that's what, I think that's kind of what Carter's expecting. Is exactly, like, give yeah. Him what, yeah, but, and, you know, that's not Benton at all, no. so. Carter's going to have to earn his stripes all over again. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be harder topics, harder surgeries, and he's going to have to step up. So then after that, uh, we get a recurring theme throughout the series that occasionally goes around and comes back around. Uh, Chuni and Lydia are talking about the latest rumor about county closing, and how it's been in the Tribune and the Sun-Times, two iconic Chicago newspapers. Is hmm? the Sun-Times still around? I know the Tribune yeah. is, but... Yeah. Okay. Uh, obviously, they're a shell of what they once were, but, yeah. like, you know, this is their heyday, so... Yeah. Um, and all the nurses are gossiping about it, like, oh, yeah, they always say... They say that every year. Oh, yeah, whatever. And Carol is like, oh, yeah, I just took out a second mortgage on my house. Oh, no. Oh. Um... <laughs> And Carter comes down and, you know, still still getting there in terms of, you know, finding his voice, starts complaining, to, immediately starts complaining to Susan that he got dumped down in the ER. And Susan rightly brings up and, you know, sounds like he trusts you. 
He's determining who needs surgery and who doesn't. He's not just doing stuff. He's, you yeah, know, he's making doing, judgment calls. He's not doing the scut work. He's down there as the surgical eval. Yeah. He's the first line of defense. Or offense, even. But still. Yes. You know what I mean. The first line. Yeah. Yeah. He's on the front lines. How about yes. that? There we go. Pedantics. It's what I do. <laughs> then Mark and Carrie are discussing kind of leadership ideas moving forward. And Carrie wants biweekly meetings with attendings and residents. Um, and she's saying the board is outdated and risks patient confidentiality issues because it has people's last names and their complaints clearly listed. And so she has a new updated system of abbreviations for the board to use. This will be interesting. Let's see how this goes. And then she also tells Mark that she thinks they should go to an emergency management panel on Saturday. And Mark's like, oh, sorry, I can't go. How about you go and you fill me in on any important stuff? And she's like, oh, okay. So she's just immediately Carrie Weavering the whole situation, trying to find ways to optimize it. Synergy. And her system is like binders full of these abbreviations yes hundreds ridiculous amount and also too i can't remember if it's here or a little bit later on but like her alternative suggestion for protecting patient confidentiality is to remove their last names and replace them with their social security numbers which i feel like is like terrible (laughs) that's a terrible yeah that's way worse yeah i think it's a little later um when the nurses are all bitching about the system in front of her gotcha but yeah just like no, just no. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. If I walked around and my side, my social security number was on there instead of my like my last name or my initials or something, I'd be like, "Bros, what the fuck?" Right? Like, why is it <laughs> not like why can't we just do first initial last name like, that or even seems, just initials or just initials? Yeah. Well, something. that's it's, a little harder because I don't know. There could easily be duplicates. It just. It's. I, I feel like uh, social security number was the wrong choice, but anyway, uh, we go from there to Carter doing his surgical consult on this little old lady who's got abdominal pain, and she is screaming and fussy, and just she, she doesn't have time or, or doesn't have the patience to answer Carter's questions. Like she's just very dismissive and like, like, are you actually a doctor? Like, doesn't want to deal with him. And Lydia is also assisting on this. And Lydia is kind of trying to guide Carter in the direction of doing a rectal exam on this lady. But for whatever reason, Carter is just not interested in taking her advice. So as they're trying, as he's trying to brush it off and leave, Benton happens to come down and Carter gives his opinion. And as he's doing so, Lydia is over his back shoulder, like shaking her head, just like, no, like mm -mm, he's got this wrong. And Benton takes her advice and says, you know what? You need to do a rectal on this lady. And he's like, isn't that a nurse's job? Not today, it isn't. One thing I forgot to mention earlier, uh, especially it was just a funny little like Carter moment was uh, when they're they're doing the the surgical uh, resident is doing his little speech about Benton, how he's Beelzebub and Lucifer and everything. The whole time he's doing that little speech, the camera is panning over the horrified looks of all of the new medical students and carter is standing in the back and he's just nodding his head like he's agreeing with everything he's saying he's like yeah no that's right like it's just a very it's a very subtle carter touch and it was very very good i like, wanted to make sure i mentioned that like oh, um, else and then we also so. we also get our old uh, our next uh, big trauma coming in it's an old man coming in brought in by our favorite emt doris one of our favorite dmt i was like we can't pick favorites. we can't pick favorites she's one of our favorites then I uh, would go over to Carter bitching about the new board system right in front of Carrie. So, oopsie doodle. And I, I just want to point out, Carrie's through line this whole episode, every time somebody bitches in front of her about this, is 
you know, it's only day one. It's going to take time. Just like, just try it. Which is true, but her system is also objectively trash. Yes. Yeah. Like, it could but be better. It's, but isn't that just like middle management to come in and fix things that weren't broken? I mean, I feel like she has a point in wanting to fix it because it probably is too overly descriptive as far as, you know, how much information is out there. But just the way she chooses to go about fixing it is not helpful. But that's kind of peak early season carry. So. But Carter jumps on the trauma that's coming in. And he just dumps his lab coat on the counter uh, when he's on when he's getting the, the protective the gown. gown on. Yeah. Yeah. We get a brief glimpse of the suspenders. Yeah, the Yay. yellow trauma gown. Um, but he gets so excited to when walking into the trauma and says, does someone call for a surgeon? <laughs> Everybody rolls their eyes immediately. Yeah, and he tries to he tries to call the shots and tries to get a, um, a central line put in and can't quite do it and ends up nicking the guys right along, which means he, the dude, you know, instead of just needing IV access, now needs a chest tube as well. And all the time, he's not referring to anyone's names, even though he knows anyone's names. He said... Nurse, can I please have this? Nurse, can I please have <laughs> you there? You there? Can I please have that? Can I please have a scalpel? Um, and then Benton bursts in, and of course, in Benton fashion, gets it taken care of right away, and doesn't let Carter finish up. And I'd, with I'd the like patient. I'd like to point out that both uh, Green and Susan are in this trauma as well, and Mark's trying to take the patient, like trying to help Carter through it approach. And Susan, after Carter walks out, just looks super sympathetic to the day he's already having. And I want to note, films are up already. Whose are they? They're, are they they're the different same films. films? Different, oh, they're different I, films I think now. they're different films, because normally we see, like, a straight-on chest uh, uh, x-ray, and, like, I think there's a head one up there usually, and this time they looked like more appendages, from what I recall. But either way, we got films. We got season three films. First trauma of the, of the season, and we already got films up. Whose are they? And then we get Susan talking to Mark about different, what we think are timeshare options and vacations, just all these different um, island and Carib- like Caribbean destinations. No yeah, context Su- at all. And then Susan asks him, uh, asks Mark, have you ever been to Hawaii? Uh, too soon, in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. And then I also want to note that, like, it's, it's strange that she asks that because... Um, didn't Mark, like, at some point spend time in Hawaii with his dad, like, on, on the na- yeah, naval he was, base? he was raised partially yeah. on, in Hawaii. That's so, when, yeah. In the saddest episode ever. <sighs> but, yeah, so intri- good catch, Daniel. Good catch. So then we go from there back to the board where Lydia is complaining about the system now. And Carrie, again, is just kind of standing up for it saying, we'll get it figured out. It's This is day one. Rome wasn't built in a day and all that, you know. And Benton, of course, is standing by, or he's kind of leaning on the counter behind them and, like, of course has managed to memorize all of these abbreviations already. Because, of course, he has. Yeah, and I also, I love how um, they're like, what's OT? Occupational therapy? Every Almost everybody on the board has it. And it's like, no, that's other. That's what we can't, that's when you can't figure out what complaint to put up. So everybody's just giving up and it's just going for miscellaneous because they can't figure out how to code this stuff. And then uh, after that, we uh, jump back uh, jump back right in with Jeannie with our next audio. Um, she goes up to the HIV clinic up in, in the hospital at County and uh, 
meets a fellow HIV patient and has a bit of a reality check. So let's listen to their conversation. You work here? In the ER. HIV positive? anyone you work with, have you? Not really. You shouldn't be here. You need to go someplace else for treatment. Somewhere where they don't know you. Look, I was a surgical tech over at Southside. Believe me, don't tell anyone you're HIV positive. Especially not anyone in management. They can't fire me. Not legally. But uh, when I came up positive four years ago, I told the chief of surgery. First, they sent me to gerontology. Wouldn't let me do anything but take BPs. When that didn't work, they stuck me down in pathology, working nights. After six months of that, I, I finally quit. Been there for eight years. There's a real good clinic up in Highland Park. It's a long drive, but it'd be a lot safer. I'm sorry if I'm scaring you. Matthew? I'm Ed Hyams. What's your name? Maybe I should give you an alias. Jeannie Boulet. Get out of here, Jeannie. Don't ever come back. Wow. Yeah, this whole time in the background, Jeannie's face it just seems like it's as much as you pro- probably can, you know, actually act it this way. But it just you can just feel the blood draining out of her face yeah. almost. She's just getting more and more drawn. Yeah. And just looking a little more horrified with each passing second. Like, oh, this is the realities of my of my disease now. Like, I am stigmatized. Shit. Yeah. Episode one and Gloria is already hitting the ground running. Yep. So that was fun. Yeah, and I just have to give kudos to the nurse here, too. Um, She is so welcoming and, like, the perfect person you want greeting people in a crisis like this. She's wonderful. We switch from there to Benton calling in about his test results. And he's like, yeah, I'm calling for a patient, Peter Benjamin. (laughs) A-tier alias. Yep. No one will ever suspect. Yep. And he gets his results over the phone. We don't find out what they are right here, but... The way he acts it, it could go either way. Like, in the moment, they're framing it to look almost like he just got the news he's positive. Because of just the thank you. Yeah. Thank I think you. It, I think it runs right up against an ad break, too. Yeah. So, I'm sure that that's the, that's the impression they want to leave you with going into the commercials, is that, oh, no. Yep. And then we have Carter bursts into, I think it's like a a trauma room or something where Benton's sitting or the no, lounge. No, saying the lounge. The lounge, yeah. okay. Um, and he asks, hey, can I take a 30-minute break? Um, I'm done with shift A. I'm about to start shift B. And Benton's like, oh, you you can have 10. He's like, 10? And, Car- and Benton goes, that's more than you usually get. And then Carter's just like, are you, are you okay? And he goes, I'm fine, Carter. And then he smiles, like, relieved. So it looks like he's clean. 
He waits until Carter's like, out of the room to say I'm yeah, fine, Carter. Too. It looks like he's negative. I know yes, there's there's sorry. a lot of there's a lot of issues with the with you know clean. using the term clean. Apologies, apologies. Yeah, that's just from what I've heard in various groups that I've been in over the years. Well, thank I, you. I myself am sh- not HIV positive, but I have had group therapy with other HIV positive folks. Well, thank you for sharing. Let me rephrase that. It looks like he's negative. Yeah. Teachable moment. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Just a little thing that we can all that we can all learn from. It's all right. Yep. Then after that, we go over and uh, Ross and Green are talking about the picnic and how there's no way they're going to miss it because there's going to be a baseball game Ooh. with it. And uh, when they're panning the camera over, E-Ray's in the foreground just like <laughs> playing with a glove, looking like an idiot like, in the in the sweetest way possible, which I, I, I love E-Ray so much. I wish we so got much. more of him. I know. I think we should. I think this is probably going to be the most E-Ray heavy season. I think we'll probably get the vast majority of him this year. And then we we go right out of that into finding out uh, Carol is getting ready to head out for the picnic as well. And uh, they some nurse who we've never seen before. I forget even what the name name was, but their kid is sick, so she uh, could potentially get stuck doing a double shift because everybody else wants to go to the picnic. And just as it seems like she's going to get stuck with the bulk of it, uh, Lily pops in at the last second and is like, I can cover for you until I think she says 10 o'clock, but just make sure that you come back. So uh, Carol will at least get to play in the game. And uh, Lydia mentions on her way out that Carter is getting, quote, a little bit uppity and might need some late night potty training. And Halle takes great delight in saying that she'll take care of that. So we'll get to see a lot of fun stuff with that coming up over the next few minutes. Uh, and then as as he's getting ready to start his night shift, uh, just before he goes and finds out this next bit of information, this is what prompts Lydia to say this. He's making all these demands of everybody who's going to the picnic, like, bring me barbecue, bring me chicken, bring me coleslaw, bring, but not too sweet. Like, he's just, like, just doing the most. Like, it's just, he's... Not very likable in the first half of this episode, I'll say that. But then he goes over to the elevator with his uh, surgical resident, who uh, Dr. Melvoin from earlier, who is getting ready to leave on his vacation. And Carter finds out that he's going to be covering all of the wards tonight, not just the ER for overnight. So he's going to be in for a long, long night. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fine. And after that, Benton is going to a neighborhood Fourth of July picnic, and we have audio. And we get to see Jackie. And we get to see Marcellus Wallace. And, oh boy, future baby mama herself, Carla, makes her very first appearance. Hey! What's the cat dragged in? <laughs> got a good turnout here, damn. Yeah, you know this neighborhood food. I mentioned free food and beer, and they come running. <laughs> I'm glad you came. What are you talking about? I said I was going to happen. Well, I figured you were lying. Like always. (laughs) What are you so happy about? I'm just happy I can't be happy. (laughs) Now, you knew she was coming, didn't you? That's why you showed up. Jackie, how many times I gotta tell you we're just friends, all right? Okay, okay. Can I get you something to drink? Uh, yeah, some, uh, some juice. Give me that. Give me that. Now, I know what I'm doing. Hey, man, what's up, Doc? You come to save me? This crazy woman thinks she knows how to grill. Get out of here. Ball-headed men don't know how to barbecue. 
She's just mad because I'm big, black, bald, beautiful, barbecue cooking man. I'm gonna go in and get some chicken and links, okay? I'll be right back. All right, well. I want my place back. How you doing? Has your net plate over there? Good. You don't come around a restaurant no more. You know, I um I gave up meat. You know, I heard that about you, I did. <laughs> All those long hours you've been working, I bet. Yeah. Keeps me pretty busy, you know. It's a shame. No time for old friends. Well, you know, I uh I get an hour here and there. Well, it only takes an hour, Peter. Why don't you remember? Oh, man. First off, it definitely takes much less than an hour. <laughs> an hour? In this economy? But just, uh... Carla is one of my least favorite characters in the entirety of the series. I'm I'm intrigued to rewatch and find out why. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, she's just a little thirsty right here, but I don't see her as outrightly problematic, so I'm curious. Just, she's, it's so, the whole storyline is, is just infuriating. We'll get there. With, with Reese and with just everything that happens and then with her future husband and, uh, We'll get there. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's one of my least favorite storylines in the entire series. It's Benton's like big storyline involved is she's a central part of it for like the rest of his time on ER. What would you prefer, this or the Africa episodes? See, I'm not a I'm not a huge like the Africa episodes are not my favorite, mm-hmm. but they're far from my least favorite. They're very contentious. Yeah. So I was just intrigued. If you're saying that this is so terrible, I'm I'm putting it up against it's a lot of people. Here's, here's the real favorite. Here's the real comparison. Would you rather have Carla or Chloe? for all time like you have to keep oh. you have to keep one probably carla at that point but, but that's <laughs> but you're talking about two like f-tier storylines in my book so uh well i don't know i i as unlikable of a character as chloe is i think her i don't think her storyline is bad yeah you can have an okay, f-tier fair. character okay f-tier characters my bad but anyway She's definitely a divisive character. She's a character who I'm also interested to see how my opinion of her changes or develops throughout the course of this particular go around. Because she is a character who is just plain not very likable. I will say with this first uh, appearance of her, they do a very good job of establishing not only history between her and, and Benton, but also to like there is just sort of this raw buzzing chemistry between the two of them. Like, I, I do think it's a good pairing on screen. Like, I think they have this, like, I don't know, like, there's just this this intangible it factor that exists between the two of them in this scene that may not carry on. We'll see that, to me, sets it up as it's going to be something interesting. But we'll see how, how that develops as we go along. Um, and as we've mentioned several times this is the first appearance of Carla she's played by an actress named Lisa Nicole Carson who um, has a very interesting career slash life Um, her only other major role or or recurring role on a a series was uh, she had a recurring role on Ally McBeal 
uh, for a few years after this, I believe. Uh, this is the first of 29 appearances that she would make through 2001. And she leaves ER, and I'm not sure, I think Allie McBeal as well. She leaves both shows after being diagnosed and struggling with uh, bipolar disorder. Um, so she has a very public struggle with bipolar disorder that she's only just kind of recently started to come out the other side of, like she's just returned to acting within the last couple of years. She took a really long break from acting. Uh, I want to say between like 2001 or two to like 2017. So oh, wow. yeah, took a big long break from acting and has just now kind of started. I read a few interviews that she gave, uh, over the last couple of years that were just basically saying like, yeah, I just basically needed to like get out of that faster paced life and, and kind of get my head on straight, you know, get medications worked. It's it's the kind of thing that, you know, that bipolar disorder, a lot of times doesn't manifest with symptoms until you're in your, you know, late twenties as a a storyline that we'll actually see play out later on in the, the series of the show with another character. It doesn't really start manifesting symptoms until sometimes late twenties. So it can really throw a monkey wrench into your life and, how things are going so that in her case it kind of derailed her career to a certain degree but so yeah first of her 29 appearances through 2001 this is also unfortunately our last on-screen appearance for ving rames in the series Mm. it's finally too good for us so i'm i'm gonna challenge you both to a thought here Mm -hmm. is the reason carla rubs you the wrong way in this first introduction because she's assertive no no i don't she doesn't bug me here yeah, she, yeah, same. She does not bug me here. Okay. Yeah, she bugs me with how much she fucks around with Benton through Reese. Yeah, she okay. becomes very, very toxic later on. Yeah. Okay, She's fine we'll get here. there. Sorry, yeah. the way you had framed it earlier, Daniel, it made it, it sounded like you had said they set her up to be unlikable here, and that's why. No, I no, 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 no. Actually, no. What I was saying here was that actually they've set her up to be very likable and interesting, and and I'm interested to see where the story goes with the two of them because they seem to have such kind of smoldering gotcha. chemistry between the two of them. Well, uh, then I just can't fucking hear right. Okay, <laughs> that's all good. <laughs> it's all good. But the but the but the best part about her as a character is she gives us Reese and yes. Reese is absolutely adorable and one of the best things ever when he's, and, when he's interacting with Benton. And he even gives some great character moments to some other assholes that yeah. we don't mm-hmm. typically like, or that tend to be raw characters. So yeah. Reese Reese is a godsend in this show, and I'm so excited for little baby Reese to show up. I'm sad Ving Rhames is gone. Um, but then we have Carrie runs into Jeannie in the hallway after this and asks like oh did you ever get your test did you ever get that figured out how's your husband do- or your ex-husband doing or whatever blah 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 and Jeannie lies and says oh yeah it came it came back um i'm negative and carrie says oh well that's good to hear you know i've got to go but you know i'm glad to hear it i'll talk to you later so Jeannie fucking lies through her teeth oh boy first step uh here we go kids oh here come the pretzels and then we go on to um the picnic baseball match and it's really cute it's um doug mark jerry susan and carol all out on the field and they're playing against the firefighters and jerry is pitching underhand just pretty much giving the inning away it's 17 to 3 er is losing and all of a sudden we see Shep is there watching them play behind the fence while the firemen kick ER's ass. And Carol comes up and says hi to him and he's like, oh, I think I think I left my, my boombox at your house. Or Carol says, you left your boombox at my house. And 
Shep says, oh, it's okay. You know, I bought a new one, but where my, what was it? Con- Conway, Conway Twitty. Twitty. Yeah. Conway. He's like, he was like, is that, is that tape still in there? And she goes, well, if it was, I would have burned it. And then as they're talking, Vicky Pastroni. That's a made up name. <laughs> a head nurse from another hospital shows up and they're clearly there together. And this is the last we see of Shep. That was an infuriatingly made up, infuriatingly made up name. Like it sounds like pastrami. Yeah. Like exactly. of, of course the guy with the thick accents there with Vicky Pastrami. Um, but yeah, so this is the last we see a Shep. So, Bye, bitch. Right? Yeah. Close that very unfortunate book. <laughs> like, yeah. Go. And Carol looks like a little hangdog about it. Like you know they they haven't been together for a few months now. But you know when you see an ex with somebody, it's always like oh, okay. I mean not that I know I don't have any exes, but um. Then we get to see Doug and Carol friendship moment. They're really cute. Doug comes over to check on her and just, you know, like, hey, you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. But then as as the fireworks start, the ER crew all kind of stands together. And it's a really cool shot of the fireworks going off and then panning across all of their faces. And all of a sudden we have Jerry go, if we're all here, who's at work? And then Mark just goes, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, Susan. They, Mark, oh, Mark yeah. says, "I don't know," and then Susan's like, "I don't care." Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's such a good moment, and just um, then, right after that, it flips over to Carter and Carrie working frantically on a trauma. So, a couple of things about the the baseball thing. Uh, Go for it. One or two are very pedantic. The other one is a genuine question. The pedantic ones, I think they're actually playing softball, which would explain why Jerry is throwing underhand. Because that's yes. kind of the the basic mm. the basic motion for softball. Yeah. Technically, um, yes. Also, Susan is playing third base, but Susan is also left-handed, so they would never let somebody who's left-handed play third base because that doesn't make sense. Because you're facing the opposite direction that you need to be in order to throw to first base. So, if you're a left-handed player, essentially you're basically going to either pitch first base or the outfield. Like they're not going to let you play on the left side of the infield like that but that's again pedantic (laughs) just who cares my genuine question is in regards to Shep let's let's pick at that scab one more time Um, (laughs) do we think do we think that from a writing perspective do we think that they brought him back here for this very nothing scene to re-illustrate this point of like we're moving on and like carol's on to a new chapter and yada 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 whatever or do do you think it was a, a a case of like writer's remorse where they were like did we make it clear enough that they broke up at the end of season two or do we need to bring him back to re-emphasize the fact that yes they did break up and that's why you won't see him anymore like what do you think i think it's the latter that they like, were like, that was... they were like we didn't quite make this clear enough in the season yeah finale. i think it was pretty obvious from but, the last time we saw but him but let's make sure yeah let's yeah. make sure no these two are done you know in this show not in real life right but <laughs> not for a few more years anyway yeah exactly yeah i think it's the i think it's more of the latter like it's, it's pretty unnecessary to have him here at all it really is like that and that's what made me ponder it was just like to me it seems like a very shoehorned in reason to bring him back even just for this you know they could especially have with a woman named vicky Pastrami. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry right. that name is god awful like come on writers you gotta do a little bit better than that it goes to show the effort that they put into his appearance here like they're just like yeah, yeah and, and he's got a girl with him what's her name uh vicky uh, Pastrami. Pastrami. no you can't name her pastrami that's too close uh 
Pastroni, that's good. We're good. We're done here. Yeah. Lunch? Yeah. Let's go to lunch. So we go to commercial after that real quick. Then, you know, we don't really stay with Carter and Carrie. Uh, but we do come back to uh, Carter, but he's he's trying to sleep. And uh, Hale is, is uh, what what do we say? We're potty training Carter yes. here? Yep. By coming in asking if asking if she can give a patient Tylenol. He slept for like 10 minutes so far, and... It's another one of those, like almost like in the series premiere, where kind of, kind of you know, not mal- more maliciously than Lydia was doing it to to Mark, but Halle is just kind of coming in with the oh, Doctor Carter, you know, like the like the oh, wh- oh, excuse me, King, like, like like King of the World, like oh, I'm so helpless, I'm only a nurse. Her voice that she puts on yeah. when she does that, just asking about you know. She needs a stool culture. If she can give a patient toast, if she can, and Carter's just like, "What the hell? Like, why aren't? Is it always like this when when doctors are trying to get a little sleep?" And Halea's like, "I wouldn't know. Nurses aren't allowed to sleep on shift." And then Connie beeps him right after that, and he's just he's angry, <laughs> but frankly, he deserves it. He sure does. He and- needs. He needs to be put in his place every now and then. And no better way to illustrate what an asshole he's being when the most like socially inept doctor they have, this side of Benton, uh, Carrie, comes up and basically tells Carter to just get his shit together because the nurses can make your life easy or they can make your life miserable. Whatever you did, you should apologize. But I didn't do anything. Apologize anyway. (laughs) When even Weaver knows that like, maybe I should just chill the fuck out. Maybe you should just chill the fuck out. But we, we don't have any time to dwell on that as a guy comes in, trauma having gone through a plate glass window. Yikes. Ow. Of a, a department store, I think. Uh, they yeah. mm-hmm. they found him in the women's underwear section. Charming. He's like covered in blood, like bleeding all over the place. He collapses onto Carter and then kind of they kind of roll and tussle around into a gurney until they finally get him set up. And Carter is just like covered in blood. Uh, and then we have uh, another trauma come in. Uh, Jim, his name, uh, guy's name is Jim. Uh, he's an alcoholic. He comes out. He comes in because he's been vomiting blood, and he has a big scalp laceration. And he's apparently had a uh, a code brown <laughs> in his short in his shorts with uh, lots of blood mixed into that too. And oh. Carter's uh, Carter's putting in uh, one of those nasal like nasal intubation tubes, essentially. Nasal like, gastro tube. Yeah, nasal gastro tubes. Presumably to pump the guy's stomach, probably. Is that probably. what we think? Um, and I don't know the physiology behind this, but this dude just, like, projectile vomits blood all over Carter. I'm wondering if there was, like, a polyp or something that he agitated on the way down. It's like a I, bomb goes off. Yeah. Exactly. There's an yes. audible, like, boom. And Splat, like, It's yeah. easily one of the most bloodiest things we've seen ever on this it's, show. It's an eruption. Carter is painted. Yeah. Yeah. Basically from head to toe. Fun and fact. It's... I kind of did that to a doctor once. Really? What? Yeah. Uh, I was... Is this, a, is this another lounge episode? <laughs> no, this is much shorter. Much shorter and much less ridiculous. But I, I was like... I was a young kid. I couldn't have been any more than like seven or eight. And I just developed a nosebleed out of nowhere. And it wouldn't stop. And so like I was bleeding at home for like the better part of like a couple of hours and 
um, you know, doing the whole like tilt the head back whole whole nine yards, just nothing, nothing would get this bleeding to stop. So they finally, my parents finally just gave up and took me to the ER and they kept me in this room with this doctor who would come in occasionally and be like, yeah, he's bleeding. We're not really sure why we're just going to pack it like, and call it a day. And my parents told him, you know, like he's very squeamish, like he's very like he's uncomfortable, you know, so like if you go shoving this package packing up his nose, he's probably not going to like it. And he was like, oh, you know, whatever. And he's wearing (laughs) I don't remember this part, but my parents still talk about it very vividly to this day that the guy was wearing like a brand new like white dress shirt and white lab coat. And he starts putting this like fat kind of soggy wet gauze packing stuff up my nose and it has to go like up into your sinuses so it's like way way up there and he gets it like just past the point of like where if you were picking your nose you your finger could get and it was uncomfortable and it had a it had a big string on the end of it so that it wouldn't get stuck in there and so as he's trying to shove this thing up there, I just grabbed hold of the string and yanked as hard as I could and pulled it out of my nose and blood spurted all over this guy's chest oh, and like all over his like nice man. fresh white lab coat. It was gross. Oh, damn, Daniel. <laughs> damn, Daniel. Yeah. My dad worked at that oh. hospital too, so that was probably an uncomfortable Monday at work for him the next Ew. day. But yeah. Well, that's what you get for wearing a crisp new white shirt when son, when a kid when a kid who's bleeding profusely. So then we have um, Carter's just no good, very bad evening continues with Malik has come in again and says, hey, you know, we really need help with this other guy, Laceration Man. And Carter screams at Malik like, hey, I'll be with him when I can. Give me a minute. Like just goes off on Malik and Malik's like, okay, bye, dude. And then Carter gets beeped up to another consult and status update upstairs. He was, like, changing in the hallway, just dumps his shirt in a bin, in, like, one of the dirty laundry bins, and keeps going. It's like, how do you know that's going to get back to you? I don't think he but does. He just, yeah, and then he just pulls on another set of, another scrub shirt and keeps walking. Um, this is a 66-year-old male with a, who had had an aneurysm repair two days ago. And the big question is, do they transfuse or diaries? I feel like I'm saying that wrong. I think you got it. Yeah. Transfuser Diaries and um, the current resident is still asleep and Carter's like, well, shit, if I do this, then this, if I do this, then this, what do you think? And the nurse is like, well, that's your job. Like, that's why I called you up here. And Carter's like, well, shit. And he goes and he actually wakes the resident on call up to ask what they should do. And the guy doesn't, Dr. Karubian we don't even see this guy other than his feet. Like, they, Carter bursts into a dark room. We see this guy's feet. Like, thanks, Quentin Tarantino. And um, <laughs> his stockinged feet. And the doctor's like, well, da, 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 and, you know, I'll make sure that you're just doing rectals the entirety of your, your internship. What's your name again? Carter. Okay, well, I'm going back to sleep. It's just a voice. Yeah, we don't we don't see his his feet, but we do get to hear his voice. Did either one of you pick up on his voice? No, I did not. Voice of Doctor Caribbean is one David Schwimmer, better known as Ross on Friends. I feel like I've heard this piece of trivia before. Yeah, I mean, I don't think like it's not his voice just on its own. I mean, I think he's making some attempt to disguise his voice or or put on a affectation. Um, yeah, but I do think that this marks our only 
like appearance or only crossover on ER of a Friends cast member. Of course, Noah Wiley and George Clooney would make an appearance on Friends. They may have already done it by this point, but uh, I think this is the only time that one of the main Friends cast members does anything with ER. So that's worth mentioning. Probably the two biggest shows on NBC at this, well, that and Seinfeld at this point in the 90s. Yeah. So we go from there. Uh, Carter runs back down to the ER where they've paged him. They have a kid who's brought in after his sofa catches on fire after he's playing with fireworks. Just... Maybe don't. Don't do that. We also have in the other trauma room, Jim, the alcoholic from earlier, has an abnormal heart rhythm. And Carter is kind of bouncing back and forth between the two traumas and is very overwhelmed. And he's in, I believe, with Jim and basically just panics and is like, somebody should call a doctor. And I forget who it is that that says it, but like just goes right back to him and is like, you are the doctor, dude. Which... I thought was kind of a little bit of a hokey line and I thought was kind of a little bit of a like I thought this moment was a little bit hokey for ER standards Uh, I just didn't like the way that it's like presented and the way everything plays out like I don't know to me it just felt very like beneath ER to that they felt the need to spell out his kind of chaos and his feeling overwhelmed and I don't know like it's one of the it's one of the low points of this episode for me yeah, I get that. But then uh, Dr. Gant shows up and, you know, a couple hours earlier, like, what? Because he was, what, three-something in the morning at this something point? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And uh, doesn't need to be there until five and shows up, offers to help out. Then we just go, and after after they sort of get the situation kind of under control, uh, we have our next audio for you. It's uh, Gant and Carter suturing up the plate glass guy together. Benton's breakfast starts in a couple minutes. <laughs> Last one's... Breakfast. Right. This year I'll associate omelets and oatmeal with deep sense of personal inadequacy. <laughs> How many switches have we put in this guy? Oh, let's count hundreds. At least. How are you holding up? Okay. I'm really tired. <laughs> I could look on the bright side, though. I'm off in only 13 hours. Whew. I'm on tonight. Thanks for coming in to help. It's no problem. Well, that's it. We're done. Well, then. Guess it's time for our early morning humiliation. And his breakfast it is. Just in time, too. I was starting to feel too good about myself. <laughs> I love their friendship. I forgot about it. Yeah. Just like everything else on this show. <laughs> what show are we doing again? We're doing House. Oh, Okay. That's why Omar Epps he's is too, here. He's yeah, exactly. Too, he's too nice for house. Yeah, we meet uh, we meet Hugh Laurie in the next episode. Oh, okay. Seems good. I don't know who else is on that show besides Omar Epps and Hugh Laurie. Uh, Robert Sean Leonard, a.k.a. my husband. Okay. I got bad taste. Okay. As long as I can be your wife, I don't care who is your husband. You are definitely going to be my wife. Okay, cool. So but what's yeah. next? But yeah. They're, just... they're cute. They are good together, and I'm glad, I'm glad Carter has backup. Then after that, uh, we have our next. Uh, we have another audio clip for you. Jeannie uh, runs into Benton uh, near the L. I I need Oop. to. Po- can I point something out yeah. here with this real quick? So setting this up, Benton is coming off the train, and it's like, was Jeannie just waiting here for him? Do you think? 
Maybe. just I want to put that question in your head because it's way too coincidental that she just runs into him. I th- I yeah. think she was sitting by the train waiting for him to come down to talk to him because she's so worried about the th- about stuff. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna set us up with that. Okay. Hi. Hey. Did you get your test back? Yeah. It was negative. That's good. That's good. I'm glad. Have you told anyone yet? About my test? No. About me? No. Good. I don't want you to. Uh, I've decided not to tell anyone about it. Is that what Green told you to do? No, it's a personal decision. And I'd appreciate it if you'd honor it. Jeannie, are you asking me to lie for you? I'm not asking you to lie. I'm asking you to keep your mouth shut. Look, I don't know if I can do that. Fine. Thanks for all your support. Hey, 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 Jeannie. Jeannie, come here. Come here. So what, do you plan to keep on practicing? I don't know what the hell I'm doing, Peter, okay? I just don't want my personal life spread all over the hospital. Is that asking too much? I don't know, Jeannie. Right. Jeannie, come So this will become a point of contention. No. Like many things between uh, Jeannie and Benton have, have been. Contrast the... Just talking about, like nonverbal stuff like at the very beginning of the interaction like contrasts genie's reaction to benton telling her that he tested negative uh to benton's reaction uh in earlier when told that she's positive i mean granted it is different situations because you know he's of course going to be worried about his own status at that point and she is obviously got kind of the mental and emotional weight of hoping that she's not responsible that someone else has tested positive but like the empathy that she and the just the like emotion that she's able to convey with just her facial expressions without having to say a word is just a really like it's a testament to just how good Gloria Rubin is in this role like she just does an amazing job with it and just it's something that we're gonna it's gonna sound like a broken record eventually but it's true like she really does do such a good job with this also Side note, on a completely unrelated note, I just love the train. They nail the train sounds. Yeah. It sounds like home. Yeah. Reminds me of living down in the loop in college. That was the best part about visiting you down there was being right, was being right near right near the L and hearing the train sounds as I tried to sleep. As you tried to sleep? Hey. They kept you up? Huh? They no. kept you up from the suburbs? I mean, in a good way. Yeah. It was good. It was good. I missed that dorm. Um, I'm a huge public transit stan, so. Shit, Yeah. So then we have Carrie is telling Mark that they need to work on chart review and holding their residents to higher standards. And Mark's like, no, I think our residents need more time to actually be able to do their work. They don't need additional administrative stuff. Um, And Carrie walks away and Mark is like, no, this is ridiculous. We're going back to the old way. Nobody can make sense of this board. And he erases the board and he's like, we're rewriting it with everybody's last names and complaints. Put it up. And everybody around cheers. And it's just a really funny thing. And it's like, it's kind of nice to see Mark taking charge. 
I kind of hate how dismissive he is of Carrie's stuff. Like, he could have at least talked to her about it. But I'm, you know, I'm glad to see Mark actually taking his boss role in stride. Mm -hmm. And then we find out from Jerry that Doug has a woman named Gretchen continuously calling in the ER. And she's left a bunch of messages. And Halei is getting ready to leave as Lydia comes in. And Halei's like, yep, Carter's all trained. Shouldn't be a problem. (laughs) As she's saying that, Carter walks in and is like, Lydia, do you want a donut? (laughs) And just comes in with comes in with a plate full of donuts. He's like, I bought them for the nurses. And then there he goes and catches up with Benton and they're about to go up for their breakfast together. And Carter hits the elevator button and Benton's like, nope, no time. Let's go. Goes to the stairs and Benton makes Carter take five flights of stairs with him to breakfast. <laughs> Rude. Hope you're in shape. And then we do actually get to see Gretchen arrive in person at the ER. First of all, she looks 12. She looks very young. And Doug just immediately looks uncomfortable that she's there because partially because he has spent the last like however many minutes like talking her up as like she's a PhD student and she's blah, 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 blah. And like she's done all these like she she's like a financial manager at some bank or something like he just has talked her up immensely. And then like a you know, high school girl shows up uh, and you can just tell that like this is another one in the long line of probably women that Doug has strung along and she's like, I just want to meet your friends, go to dinner, see a movie. And like, he's like, yeah, no, like, you know, yeah, we'll do all that. But like, you can just tell like he's and then, of course, he immediately is like, well, we'll go to dinner tonight, seven o'clock. Like you pick the place and like whatever. And no sooner than she's like crossed the threshold to leave is he picked up the phone and called her answering machine because, you know, this is still 1996, uh, calls her answering machine and is like, hey, you just left. Uh, I need to cancel. Like, what a transparent, like, this seems like excessively dickish even for him. But, uh, yeah. And this is the only appearance we will get of Gretchen. Gretchen doesn't come back, so. Hmm. Yeah, like, what the, like, do we get any sort of, does she even get mentioned? Nope. I don't think so. I'm really struggling to, like, come up with a storyline justification for this, and I'm really, I'm coming up empty. Like, there's just, there doesn't seem to be a reason for it. Just just Doug's an asshole. Yeah, but, like, why, did we really need to be reminded of that? Like, I, I don't think any of us forgot. I don't know. It's just maybe, maybe you know, new season. They've They've been off for three or four months. Like, let's remind everybody that Clooney's still kind of a dick. In character. I guess so. But we uh, close out the episode from there with our last audio clip as well. Uh, Carter's outside. It's about 7 o'clock in the evening. Carter's outside napping on a dumpster. And Mark goes out to check on him. Carter? Uh, someone left some sparklers in the trauma room. You want them? <laughs> I heard you caught another central line. Any trouble? No, I hit it the first time. Yeah, that's the way it is. You know, sometimes you can't find them, other times they are right there. I haven't seen one of these since I was a kid. <laughs> that's it's me, it's me, it's me. You're a very popular guy. It's the ER. I'll go check it out. Get some more fresh air. Thanks. 
Carter? How much longer are you on? Two hours. You're gonna make it. <laughs> nice little moment for them. I know, it was so sweet. He's such, they're so good together. I wish we got more, uh, more yeah. moments like this with them. That's definitely a pair I wish we got more of. Yeah. Also, a so, little side note, you probably shouldn't have the sparkler that close to your eyes. No. Right? no. Yeah. Just, just checking. All right. So, I think this is an extremely solid opener episode. I am told that there's some differing opinions here. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It, it, it it's, it's a perfectly serviceable like third or fourth episode into the season. Like to me, this, the, yeah. to me, this, it just lacks some of the like pop and pizzazz that you come to expect from a, a finale or a premiere like the chutzpah yeah like it's it's just it's missing that like it factor and i think i think if you had maybe scrubbed out the doug stuff at the end and given maybe another minute or two of screen time to the genie stuff or you know just I don't know, like, there, it's just missing some key ingredient, and I can't put my finger on what it is to really make it, like, a... Because it's not a bad episode. It's really not. Like, there's there's nothing in here that... There's nothing in here that I think is objectionable or is, like, mm, I wish we didn't do that. Like, it, everything's fine, um, but it's just... I don't know. Maybe it's... You can definitely do this too much. Like, I think definitely as we got into the later seasons, they definitely turned the dial too far in the other direction where they felt like they had to like keep upping the ante with every season premiere and every season finale. Everything had to end on a bigger and bigger cliffhanger or, or start with a bigger and bigger bang. So there's Sometimes definitely literally, yeah, like yeah. Th- there's definitely a balance to be struck. But for me, this one just felt a little bit tepid for a season premiere. It's a good episode, but it's a good like early to mid season episode. It's not, uh, it's not premiere worthy. I don't think, but I think one of the things it might be, I think it might be missing for that you two would appreciate more is like a central patient. Yes. yes. That is a That's big is. missing factor for sure. Like we don't really yeah. get to know any of the patients in this episode. No, not yeah. at all. That's really so, what it is. You nailed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, yep. You hit the nail right on the head. Which I'm fine with not having one because I think this one does. I think the way we're going back and looking at this series, look, this is sort of, I think I think of the I thought of this episode and you know like I can see where you get where y'all are coming from but I think it's also sort of like the Age of Ultron problem <laughs> like as a episode itself it might not be the most exciting it might not be the best the most well written the most yada 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 but it does so much world building yeah. it does so much storyline setup like it sets up like it, you we hit the ground running super hard on Carter, on Jeannie, on Benton, and like three of like our three of like our biggest storylines throughout the entire you know this season and beyond are set up really are you know really set up well here. And I feel like I'm just talking in circles right now. But. No, I no, but you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it it sets up a lot of foundational things for the future, which is great. And you need those episodes. I just, for me, like, I just feel like, especially coming off of, you know, what a high we were on for the finale, you know, and we talked about this on the wrap up, like they were nominated for so many awards and so many different things. Like the show is still undeniably kind of on the rise. I don't think, I don't think it's hit its peak yet. So it just feels like there's this inherent expectation that like they're going to turn up the volume a little bit more. 
and you know they I, I don't think they turn it down i don't think they i don't think they step back at all but i just don't think they really do anything to like up the ante at all but again like i said there's a balance to be struck with that you can definitely turn the volume up too much to the point where it becomes kind of cartoony so you know it's not a, again not a bad episode it's not a bad one it's it's for me it's a very solid Hi. like seven out of ten um, yeah, but it's we've a C+. just it's fine. We've just had so much better from even in just two seasons, uh, you know, premieres and finales like that. You just kind of come to expect a certain level of drama out of the premieres. And I don't know. And for me, it just wasn't there on this one. But uh, there's still so much yeah. to be excited about for this season. It it landed a little flat. Let us let us know what you think, folks. Uh, reach out to us on our social social media accounts. But uh, otherwise, are we good? Yeah. Mm hmm. All right, but that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes. Well, we just put up season two last week, so get on that. Um, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and a two-week early access to our ca- all of our cast and crew interviews. Our one And also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to our monthly bonus show called The Lounge. Uh, we have our debut episode up on our free feed. Go give that a listen, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in the moment, as well as monthly movie commentaries, where we'll watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Tone Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Our theme music today is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me uh, tweeting about playing Super USPS, a.k.a. Death Stranding, on my personal Twitter at Lobo92345. It's a low bob. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Back. What is my Twitter? I think it's Low Bob. It is <laughs> <laughs> at Low Bob nine two three four five. You can leave that whole thing in. All right, uh, and you can find me on Twitter as well. I am at Random Gamer. That's J M three R. As well as on the Popular Courts YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect Andromeda with new episodes every Friday, as well as a co op series of the Halo, the Master Chief Collection, uh, all the Halo games that are on the PC currently, with a uh, Popular Court co host Jake. Uh, you can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. 